Well, welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive, in which we take a deeper look at the topic or passage of focus from uh, the weekend. My name is Brad. I'm one of the teaching pastors at Calvary, joined by Dan Borth, who is also one of the teaching pastors at Calvary. Correct. Dan, this is the first uh, first time we've done this together in a while. I agree. I think, <laughs> I think I've recorded... Let's see, I recorded two with Jeff and one with mm-hmm. one with Paul. Yeah. So um, it's like I only don't know how to do this anymore. Thanks for having me back. You know what? It was a we thought about it. I don't know. Uh, anyway, hey, this uh, we are currently in our series on Acts called "The Church the World Needs," where we're looking at well that question: What type of church does the world need? And we're just going through the Book of Acts. We're going to go. Most of the way through it, we're not going to finish the book of Acts, but we're going to go about two-thirds, three-fourths of the way through um, over the remainder of the series. It'll wind up, we'll wind up finishing um, There's a late, for late June, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not just like, oh, hey, we're, we're done, so we're going to stop talking about <laughs> like it. The, the book of Acts as a whole, yeah. uh, in the last chapters, focuses more on Paul's uh, final steps into yep. Rome and sharing the gospel yep. there, and not that there's wonderful lessons, but we'll, we'll have been 15 weeks in Acts, so yeah. So in a way, it's a completion of sorts of you know what was started the beginning of of Acts. You know, Jesus in in Acts one eight, he he tells you know his disciples, hey, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, you know, power, and you're gonna be my witnesses and. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And even at the end of Acts, when Paul, um, you know, he's staying in trial, he goes to Rome, he's standing before Caesar, like he, I mean, that's kind of it. And I mean, that's kind of what his goal was in trying to get to Rome was, yep. I mean, if you get to Rome, then the gospel will go everywhere. You've been to the end of the You've world. You've been to the end of the world. That's right. Um, and so with focusing, you know, for our church right now in this... Um, Gosh, it's a buzzword, season, transition, interim, all the words that you want to use to describe our current point in time as a church. Um, when we were thinking about what um, yeah, what our church needs and talking about like just the makeup of the church and, and what the church, the world needs is, uh, Acts seemed to be a really good place to, to go. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, so this weekend we were in Acts 13, uh, 1 through 3. I kind of made a joke. Uh, in preaching that I was really excited to have only three verses, and I'm pretty sure I went like five minutes longer than I did the week I had 72 verses. Let's go with five. Let's go with five. No, I think it was five. Like, we're not counting the the video. Like, the video that was after the message, I feel like I'm... Okay, I'm going to just stop. I'm just... I'm, I'm purely teasing you, because... <laughs> I, know. I know. It's a source of insecurity. Comment uh, below on how much time... You no, think... <laughs> anyway, so Acts 13... Um, this is where Paul and Barnabas are launched uh, into the first missionary journey. So this is the first time the church has ever intentionally sent, at least that's recorded right in, in Scripture, has intentionally sent missionaries uh, to places where there weren't already churches established. Have you ever thought like how um, anticlimactic this might have been? So like... <laughs> If we send, if we send a missionary journey, like they're pulling away in vans to uh-huh. go to the airport to fly, right? Uh-huh. And like within 24 hours, they're going to be on the other side of the world. And I just have this kind of hilarious moment in my mind where the church gathers around uh-huh. and prays for Paul and Barnabas and sends them out. 
and then they're watching them walk down the road. And 10 minutes later, they're still on the road, just a little farther. <laughs> and then 15 minutes, Paul's tying his sandal, right? And then like 45 minutes later, they finally turn left, and now no one can see him anymore. It's just a thought. Though. No, that's great. I uh, Well, to riff on that for a bit, like, we only have what the text tells us. They might not have left the church and immediately got on journey. It's true. Right? They might have been commissioned right there and then gone home and you know put Pre- some affairs in order preparation, or packed sure. you know packed you maybe know maybe the uh, church took a collection to send them yeah, with what they would need yeah right, i mean the big right. so again a principle when reading the text let's not make it say more than it does say but also we need to remember that the text is telling us what we need to know that's right um and the what we need to know is that Paul and Barnabas, um, while the church there was in worship, while they were fasting, the Holy Spirit um, specifically spoke. We don't we don't know the the manner in which the Holy Spirit revealed this to the congregation, but the Holy Spirit spoke and said, "Set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, um, for the work right that I've, I've called them." And then the church prayed and fasted, yeah. and then laid hands on them. Yeah. And the next chapter and a half is the first missionary journey. And then they go. And they yeah. go. So uh, with that, I wanted to just kind of talk through the first missionary journey a little bit on a, on a pretty, I know this is a deep dive, but we're going to stay pretty high level. Um, I would encourage it. One of the things my New Testament professors in undergrad did, um, anytime we had a new like location that would pop up, uh, he would pull up, he was kind of a nerd about it, like he'd pull up Google Earth and like he would pull up like pictures and we would kind of take a mini tour of mm. the city or if there were ancient ruins oh, or anything cool. like that. It was, it yeah. was pretty cool. Um, another book that, Dan, you remember this book from, uh, I think this was a I seminary book. I did not have to read that book, which is not uncommon okay. right, in seminary, different professors. What did you have for Axe? Did you have Bayer? Um, Axe and Paul was... Um, I had Yarbrough. No, I had Yarbrough okay. as well. Maybe this was from, you know what, this was from undergrad. This wasn't from seminary. Undergrad is good also. Uh, anyway, lots of cool pictures in the steps of Paul, illustrated guide to the apostles' life and journeys. Um, if you're listening, you didn't see any of that. Uh, but if you're watching on YouTube, you did. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's talk through just those, um, you know, again, very high level, um, this first missionary journey. Now, there was a, some intentionality with, you know, with this where, when Paul and Barnabas would show up, um, whether it was, you know, they started in Antioch, which, again, we talked about a little bit over the, in the sermon, that the, the center of kind of the hub of the Christian movement moves, at least as far as the text tells us, from Jerusalem to Antioch. Um, part of that was it was home base for Paul, and mm-hmm. Paul is, is heavily featured as the missionary to the Gentiles. He's mm-hmm. the one that's leading all these different missionary journeys, or uh, the second and third missionary journey are more like campaigns than they are journeys, because he goes and he stays for a long time, you know, a a longer period of time. Um, But Antioch becomes this sending church, this like central operations uh, for the missions movement. So they start in Antioch, um, then they go into uh, Seleucia, which is also in Syria, uh, Salamis, which is Cyprus. So Paul, uh, Barnabas was from Cyprus. Mm -hmm. Cyprus is this um, island in the Mediterranean, and it's interesting here, actually, like, Cyprus, do you play world? You don't play Worldle, do you? Wordle? Worldle. Worldle? Worldle, yes. Are there two L's in this? Worldle. Uh, no, I do so not. So, world. 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 
with an ol at the end of it. Anyway, it's a, a geography version of Wordle. So they, you know, in this game, you can go to it'll it'll give you just a, the outline of a country. Okay. And then you guess what country it is, and then it, if you're, you know, inevitably you're wrong on your first guess. Uh, it'll tell you how many miles away and in what direction the right country is. And so, and you and just like Wordle, you get six so guesses. So, if I'm looking at a shape and I type in Texas, uh-huh. I could be right or wrong about that country. Is that fair, right? yes, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, fair. Anyway, the other day it was Cyprus, and I was like doing yeah. message prep stuff for this weekend. So I got that thing on my first try. Oh, I was nerd. so pumped. Nerd. Um, well, because the island, it's got this like unicorn horn thing, so it's very like. <laughs> identifiable. Uh, but anyway, Barnabas is from Cyprus, and so that makes... <laughs> I'm so happy for you. It's the little things, man. It's the little things. Actually, my, my five-year-old son, James, is... Uh, he's not great at the Worldle version, but Statal. He's really good He's at. good at Statal. <laughs> no, but even on Worldle, what we'll do is he'll get this globe out that he has, and okay. then we'll... Like, oh, nice. And then we... Yeah, that's a whole lot of oh, fun. Oh, that's awesome. So anyway, they they you know they go to uh, you know Seleucia, which is in Syria, and then they go to um, these two towns in are on the island of Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I have to think there's some intentionality here. Barnabas being from Cyprus, um, going back to kind of his hometown, going to a place that he's familiar with, makes sense. Uh, maybe testing out some of their strategies uh, even sure. there. Sure. Uh, from well, there, they would have places to stay. Places to stay. I mean, they're going where the gospel is not necessarily mm-hmm. known. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a, no, I don't want to say that the Holy Spirit wouldn't send them somewhere difficult, sure. but maybe some of this was the practicality of absolutely. You got to keep be alive to keep telling this story. Well, and God works through relationships. He works through, um, you know, places and people that He has obviously placed us and put us in yep. spots. Um, so then they move to uh, Perga, which is in a region of uh, Pamphylia, mm-hmm. uh, and then Antioch in Galatia. They spend um, with Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby. Uh, they that's all in the region of Galatia. Mm-hmm. Now this is interesting to me. Um, a lot of times when we will preach through like Galatians, we think, oh, this is a, a city because it, it kind of models oh, yeah. right. It's the the church at Galatia. Yeah. Well, Galatia yeah, yeah. is a a region. Um, Correct. So when Paul, you know, writes Galatians, which was one of his first, um, if not his first letter that he writes, he's actually writing it to a, a region of churches um, with the intent that this letter would be passed along to other, you know, to other churches in that in mm-hmm. that region. Mm-hmm. And then they do this uh, this pretty cool thing where then they backtrack. So it's not like a, they're going on like a circle, but mm-hmm. they they kind of go out and then mm-hmm. they return and they visit these churches that they have created, right? So they go back to, to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch and Galatia, Perga, uh, Italia, and then back to Antioch um, to report. So that's kind of very high-level um, first missionary journey. It's not it's not a long journey. Um, was it a year and a half? Like, I, I might be making that up. I feel like I read that somewhere <laughs> this past week, though. Sorry, I don't have any insight no, on the no, length of good. that one. You're good. Um, it was a quick thing, but what they would do on this missionary journey, he had a Paul and Barnabas had a pattern. They would start uh, in the synagogue. They mm-hmm. always started there first, which I think makes sense because this message that they're bringing is one that um, the Jewish people. So the synagogue was a, um, I mean that's the the place of the house of worship, right, for um, Jewish people uh, outside of the temple, 
And they would show up there and they would, you know, they already have this common story. And so it was just like, because if you're, if you're Paul, if you're Barnabas, and you can convert um, some of your fellow Jewish, mm-hmm. you know, brothers and sisters, then you already now have the makings of a church. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, a, a high degree of intentionality there. But inevitably, at each one of these places, um, they would, you know, even, even in the spots where it would go well, the next time when they would return, they'd be rushed out mm. of the synagogue. Yeah. You have to also think um, there's kind of a natural connection that they were sent from Jerusalem churches. Mm-hmm. And so, like, who are you? Why are you here? Like, there mm-hmm. is a connection to Jerusalem. I just think they were very uh, shrewd about their their place in the world mm-hmm. and their part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they would leverage that for opportunity. And then they wouldn't back down from, like, uh, I mean, Paul talks about this later. When the synagogue wouldn't listen, mm-hmm. then he would go to whoever would. Yeah, yeah wherever that, would. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and then often, um, it's, it's interesting. I, I've heard parallels made um, that, you know, when Paul would go and preach, often he'd go to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Because in the marketplace, that was the spot. I mean, they even had places for public speakers to come and just start preaching or speaking or, you know, giving their TED Talks on whatever it was that they, you know, that they had. Um, but the marketplace was almost like like Twitter of the day. Like it was a place where um, ideas were exchanged, uh, where there were conversations around philosophy, around, um, yeah, g- Greek teachings. And so anyway, that'd be kind of his, his, his method. And then if somebody invited them to his house, they'd go to their house and they yep. would talk about the gospel. And then maybe they'd go to somebody else's house and they would do that um, long enough to either be run out of town or to create a church. Which is wild to me. Like, we've gone through our, our own fair bit of stuff over the last year where I've, I've felt at different times, even in the most, like, when we've had the most, um, you know, intentional planning or conversations. But we've been kind of flying by the seat of our pants in, in spaces, at least it's felt. It'd be amazing. I mean, they're setting up churches, and then they're just leaving. Sure. So the Spirit and the, what the Spirit is doing to, to prompt and to lead and to guide um, – they had nothing but reliance yep. on the Spirit. Well, I think you can see um, what they were setting up when you look at like the qualifications of who would be overseers and elders mm-hmm. and deacons and that. And it was people of good reputation who were full of the Spirit, and they had really the gospel mm-hmm. had really transformed them. But their um, like they started with uh, what God was doing in the person and among people, mm-hmm. uh, rather than maybe some of the things that we, just by the nature of being a church in America, we start with a lot of things alongside that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really important. It's a reminder to me, uh, like, what does it take to make a church? Well, it takes people who are being transformed by the gospel, and that's really where we have to start. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the business, um, and Brad, you deal with most of the business of the church, but yep. I know you feel this way, like none of the business ever rises to the level of importance where it's greater than the people. Yeah. Because if the people don't get it, aren't living the gospel, yeah. like then it's not going to be Christian in character. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. That's really good. And I I also think too when it comes to like it's hard enough to live out the good news of Jesus in your own life day to day, right? Moment to moment, conversation to conversation. Um 
But at the same time, like this thing that we believe is a very simple message um, to the point that, and again, with the Spirit, you know, is leading. But like at the end of 13, so this is before Paul and Barnabas go to Iconium, um, the text just says this. Like, he, So he's preaching, and he says, for, the, the, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Like, I don't know, there's a... There's this like cause and effect. There's this yep. here, you know, response to the news that that at least this group of Gentiles there um, heard and grasped and yeah. responded to. In such a way that this journey ends up at Acts 15, which is where now they're asking questions of like, how Jewish in practice do yeah. these new believers who weren't Jewish by birth need to act? Yeah. Uh, which is a wonderful question and shows us so much of the character of the church. Yeah. Um, this, it, it, you're right. It, it moved quickly. Yeah. It's kind of like um, they're like, oh, shoot. Now what? That worked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That worked. And then I can only imagine these new Gentile converts are, you know, they're reading um, Genesis, uh, Genesis 12. Okay. The whole earth is going to be blessed. Great. Then they're going to get to chapter 15 and they'll be like, wait, you want us to do what? <laughs> and we'll see them work all of that out. Um, all right. So I had a, a question when I was, was reading through this text, there was something that, that stuck out to me in, in some of the notes. Um, chapter 13, verse 31. Um, the text says, I'm going to start in verse 30, but God, this is Paul. Um, he's preaching here. Uh, but God raised him from the dead, and for this is Jesus. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. Like, what do we, what do we do with this? Does this imply that Christ, um, that there were multiple appearances of the resurrected Christ? Um, well, or is that too simple of a reading? According to the study Bible that you and I are both queuing off of right now, um, it says that it suggests at least that yeah. there were more. Resurrection appearances. Um, I, I do think that one of the things... Now, Paul's not writing here. Luke is writing. Correct. But one of the things that Paul frequently talks about is the Lord appearing to him mm-hmm. as, a, as a significant post-resurrection appearance. He, he goes back to it time yeah. and time again, the, uh, the uh, parousia, right? The parousia right. of Christ. Like, That's right. This is this... Um, for him, everything... I don't know, it's almost like a, a, a conversion, well, it is a conversion story, right? You go back to that first time that, like, you believed or something was real, and that's the thing that motivates you, even in, like, behavior years and years yeah. later. For Paul, he constantly yeah. is going back to this appearance of Christ. That's right. And when a different place, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is recounting the the core of the, mm-hmm. the Christian story. He even says, so 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 5 and following, um, he, after Christ's resurrection, he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Mm-hmm. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't want to draw too much, as though I understand the whole timeline, but there do seem to be moments where... So on the um, road to Emmaus, Jesus appears and mm-hmm. talks with two... Mm-hmm. believers who mm-hmm. weren't sure what to make of Christ's death and his purported resurrection. Uh, there's a moment, John 20, he shows up and talks to uh, Mary, and then he shows up again and he talks to 
all the apostles, and then he shows up again and he mm-hmm. talks to Thomas. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that we know more than what's been shared, but there does seem to be room in the story that Jesus. Um, I don't. I don't know. I find it strangely uh, comforting to think that maybe Jesus was doing uh, not not publicity, but he was definitely making his resurrection known. Yeah, so. yeah. And there's something that uh, I was a couple of years ago. I was listening to a sermon series that um, a pretty well known pastor uh, was was preaching through, and he um, he was arguing that the early church was founded. Um, not on not on the Bible because the New Testament doesn't hadn't been okay. written yet. Well, I know I know I, it, I get it. I, get I know it, it feels yeah. like oh I don't know if I want to go no, there. No, but that's that's pretty honest. It, yeah, he was saying it was founded in this uh, historical event, the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And it was f- then uh, and and continued to be formed through the appearance of the resurrection yeah. of Jesus yeah. because this is the thing that um, you know proved, right, that this Christian story was was real. 100%. This is the thing that yes. led these early followers of Christ to um, go to their deaths, to give up yeah. their lives, to change everything about them uh, was yeah. motivated in this. And so I do think that it, you're, you're right on of, like, you know, multiple appearances of Christ. Like, it's not a—I do like the PR tour— um, could you imagine like <laughs> what Jesus would be put through today, like what oh people would be trying to get him to do in order to like? It'd be more than you know. Hey, just stick stick your fingers through the holes in my hands. Like, like the, the Instagram Live version of this would just be like hard to watch. Yeah, but we live in such a and we live in such a skeptical climate now that we like do. no one would believe him. So uh, here's something kind of wonderful um, yeah. that that is percolating that's coming out of that. Like, um, this missionary journey uh, ends in Galatia, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? That's the uh, well, that's the furthest. Yeah. Uh, and then they backtrack and go back. It, it ends with them back in, at Antioch. So it was either Galatians or First Thessalonians, I believe, that is like the first written letter mm-hmm. of Paul to yep. a church. Yep. So the New Testament, I, excuse me, the first writing in the New Testament. So the New Testament is the relationships that become the context for mm-hmm. the first writings of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. We're reading about in Acts mm-hmm. as the history mm-hmm. of the church. There's something fascinating and beautiful and wonderful um, about that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a really cool study to do would be to read Acts and then read Paul's letters as, like, chrono- get to yeah, like yeah. chronologically, um, just to even see his yeah. own development in theology. Not that his theology that he writes early in his writing career was uh, wrong, but there's no. a, a, a fleshing out of sorts. Oh, my um, goodness. I mean, you meet new people in new cultures, yeah. and you start answering more questions. Like, of well, course even, even the questions yeah. that the, the believers are wrestling with change. That's you, know, right. you think about like between first and second Thessalonians, even like Paul's understanding. Did Christ of, return? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Right. So anyway, so uh, so good. I want to read this, um, and then we'll we'll be done. But uh, verses uh, chapter fourteen, starting in verse twenty-four. This is the end of their trip. They're returning to Antioch. Then they passed through uh, Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, and when they and while they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commanded to the grace of God. Or commended. commended. Ooh, 
different mm. good catch, had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. So there's something here about, um, I think a lot of times, even when we think about missions work uh, for the church, there's a lot of work that goes into prep. There's a lot of work on the front end. Um, and then there's the, the work itself. And something that gets missed is the, the reporting mm. uh, of the things that, that you've seen God do yeah. uh, on, the, on the back end. Because, you know, again, just setting the context for Acts 13, you have this entire congregation that responds to the Spirit. Um, that's committed to worship, that's committed to prayer, that fasts together, that's in full support of what God is doing through Paul and Barnabas. And yet, for the next however much time, they're probably wondering, hey, I wonder how those two guys are doing. Like, we had this big rally, we had this yes. big old thing we all got excited about, and then they walked out the door and we're like, uh, what? So I do think it's important, time and time again, after we see God work, to continue to uh, report that to um, remind ourselves that, but to remind others as well, especially those who are in support um, of us. It's why, like, I don't know, it's it's a good thing for college students when they're home on breaks to spend time with, you know, their their youth pastors and their youth leaders and their grandparents and like, hey, here's the thing that God's doing in my life. Um, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for spending time, yeah. you know, with me, um, you know, before and then and then now. And then I do think too for, um, yeah, for this church especially, like. They were so faithful in their ways that they sent Paul and Barnabas that they're part of that story. And we see that in Acts time and time again. We see um, these different summary statements of salvation and God working throughout history. Um, and that's ultimately like what we preach. Like it's, it's old news applied to new situations, um, and yet the outcome, right? Salvation. Um, yep. So anyway, anything else on your radar? Uh, just the... This is uh, chapter 13 is noteworthy in, in 14, this first journey. Mm -hmm. This is when, so Jesus' words in Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. We see that early in Acts. In all Judea and Samaria, we see that also in the middle parts of Acts. And then to the ends of the earth, this is that step yeah. to that. Um, in fact, if uh, you're interested in the Antioch church reading uh, the middle to the end of, uh, starting in verse 19 of Acts chapter 11, you get a chance to hear who the Antioch church is. And you can just see, like, God is moving his people out in uncomfortable places, but he's also sending them out to do uh, these pretty brave things. It's mm -hmm. wonderful. I mean, this is how the church mm -hmm. continues to grow today. Yeah. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be continuing in Acts. Uh, this next week, we're going to be looking at kind of some conflict that that arises in Acts 15, this Jerusalem council. I wish we had the bell, the fight bell. <laughs> ding, Gosh, ding, ding. be awesome. Um, we're going to then go into... Uh, Mike Shields actually will be with us preaching the week after. We um, like Mike. Acts 16. We do. We're big big fans. And then uh, the first week of June, uh, Mark Ryan. Do you think we can get Mark Ryan on the deep dive? Brad, that would be an oh, incredible thing. That would um, be terrifying, too. If you got to participate in the apologetics and outreach class, you got to hear from Dr. Mark Ryan, just a beautiful yeah. uh, believer, well-thought, well-spoken. He's going to share about um, the Mars Hill yeah. experience in uh, yeah. Acts chapter 17. I cannot wait. Oh, that'd be so cool. Well, new project for us. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us this week on The Deep Dive. As always, if you have uh, any questions, uh, throw them in the comment section. You can always email us at podcast at calvary.church as well. And uh, we will see you again 
uh, next time, uh, whether it's me and Dan or me and someone else or someone else and someone else. Uh, go in grace and peace. Keep your Bibles open. Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.